2: just being me.
0: Any Amy House. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor-Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
4: Hey everybody, it's me, Rosie O'Donnell. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. First of all, I am staring at the Pacific Ocean. You know, I rented this house in Malibu for one year, for my 60th year. I rented a house right on the beach, and I hired a chef to cook me healthy food. That's been um, the best decision I ever made. My time here is coming to an end, and I love it here. It's beautiful to immerse yourself in nature like this. Yesterday, I was sitting here looking out the window, thinking, and what happened right in front of my house, 100 yards out, a whale breached. Now, I always thought when you said breached, it means that it did an arc in the, you know, like a dolphin, like a loop. But apparently to breach is when they pop up like a submarine, you know, like they pop up and they, you know, kind of twist a little and then go back down. It's not like a, a big ferocious splash or anything. It was like a up and then he went down and then I ran out to my deck and I heard some voices to the right of me. Now, listen, I've lived here almost a year. I have yet to meet one of my neighbors. <laughs> but yesterday, I met four 20-year-old boys. And they were like, look at that whale. And I'm like, I know, can you believe it? And then they were so adorable. They go, do you think he's in trouble? <laughs> I'm like, no, I think he's eating or breaching or doing something that whales do, you know? But it was so magical. It was so magical. It was so majestic. It was, uh, it was unreal, really. And it brought me so much joy, I thought. You know, the amount of endorphins that get released when you're able to see nature in its raw form, you know. I mean, I love all kinds of animals that I get to see, you know. And then here, the dolphins and even the anemones or whatever you call them, you know. It's just beautiful, and I've loved every minute of it. And I'm going to miss it, but I'm moving because I am living with a 10-year-old, and her name is Dakota, and she said she would try it for one year, and that was the deal that we made. And she gets a little anxious on the beach. She gets a little bit anxious um, about the possibility of a tsunami, right? She looks out at this gorgeous, gorgeous ocean in front of us, blue and, and, and vibrant and and she says it's very boring mommy there's there's nothing exciting happening on the top everything exciting is happening underneath and i find it frustrating and i also don't like when the waves hit the house and it jiggles a little bit and it scares me and i don't like it and i said okay i hear you she also wants to be in a neighborhood you know we're right on on the highway here there's a highway like with the you get out of the car on a very busy highway <laughs> And you walk the four feet to your door, you get in, you get into your house, and then all of the backyard is the ocean, right? So there's nowhere for a kid to really play besides the beach, which we do. You know, we go down there, and it's lovely. And But she is asking for something different, and I'm going to give that to her because um, we're a team, she and I. And I took her for spring break to Legoland, in, um, I think it's Oxnard. It's down near Anaheim somewhere, I believe. But we went to Legoland and we stayed a couple nights. And while we were in Legoland, she told me, you know, mom, I'm non-binary. I said, no kidding. Now, she had brought this up before when talking about the characters in her favorite animated show that she watches on YouTube called BFDI, Battle for Dream Island. It's an object show, which is like a pen has a smiley face and a funny voice, but its name is Pen. So in object shows, you're named what you are. So there's Coiny, there's, you know, Foldy, which is a piece of paper folded. You know, it's, it's a very interesting kind of concept, but she's absolutely obsessed with this show and knows everything about it. And She was very interested in the fact that the genders were provided for each of these inanimate objects. So she started saying, can you believe that the gender is female, but listen to the voice. And she started talking about which one of her stuffies, her stuffed animals were non-binary. So I knew sort of that this talk was coming, but I didn't realize it would be it would be now and it would be so matter of fact. And, you know, I, um, I don't really fully get, you know, non-binary. But when I asked her, explain to me what it means, honey. And she said, it means you don't feel like a girl and you don't feel like a boy. You feel like something else. And I said, okay, that's okay with me. That sounds fine, you know. And it did not seem at all to be about sexuality. It seemed to be about identity you know, about her identity. So it's very fascinating. It really, really is. I've been reading a lot about non-binary uh, concepts and, and how autistic people have a higher percentage of considering all of the options like that, of non-binariness and, and um, who they are. So, wow, it's a journey. That's all I can say, (laughs) and it's begun. And uh, you know, we'll get through this together. You know, some people had some questions; they uh, were leaving it on my TikTok, and most people were very supportive. I mean, listen—you love your kid. You just want to make your kid feel okay and know they're loved and safe, and and that's you know what we want for all kids, isn't it? Isn't it? It really is. We have a great, great show today. We have Margaret Cho, one of my my favorite comedians ever. And uh, I love her writing. She has some books that I just I just ate up and I, I read them more than once. And she's really lovely. I got to know her when um, I left The View. Remember, I left The View the second time. And I called Cindy Lauper and said, you know, it's a kind of a bad time for me in my um, life, marriage. Can I come on tour with you? <laughs> She said yes, and Margaret Cho was on that tour as well, and we all got in buses, and we drove around the country, and Cindy Lauper was the person who put it all together and headlined in, and there were all kinds of gay allies, friends, celebration of... uh, of all of us, of, of all people, and, and being accepting and, and loving. And it was a beautiful, beautiful thing at a time when I really needed it. And that's when I got to hang out with Margaret, and I got to know her, and I got to watch her perform every night. And, you know, what I loved, too, is when I would be on stage and I'd see her off stage watching me behind the curtain, you know. <laughs> She's a very supportive person and a wonderful, wonderful activist and um, artist and human being. And I had a great time talking to her, so stick around. We're going to do that. And uh, we're going to answer your questions today as well. This is Onward with Rosie O'Donnell. And hey, everybody, that's the only option. Onward, people. So, everybody, enjoy it. Margaret Cho. It's all me. There you are with your cute little haircut. I love your bangs, Margaret Cho.
2: You're so lovely. How are you? I'm good. I haven't
4: seen you in forever.
2: It's been too it's long. It's been
4: way too long since we had so much fun on tour for True Colors. Come on. <laughs> that is part of my favorite showbiz memory is being on tour with you and Cindy Lauper. Come on.
2: We had the best time. And we got in the bus. We had the best We time. got in the bus.
4: Remember how much fun we had in the bus?
2: The bus was super fun. Um, remember when we got kicked out of our dressing rooms at Radio City Music Hall uh, for smoking a little pot in there? I think. <laughs> well, because you were so good at making the bong out of the apple. Thank you. I learned that from Charlize
4: Therone on um, on a on a People magazine or something like that. I never knew you could make a bong out of an apple, and I saw her do that, and I'm like, "Thank you, Charlize
2: Therone. So clever and so um, you know, organic. Yeah. Healthy. No PFAs, no. healthy, no phthalates. That's right. It was really it was really yeah, we had such a good time. I mean, that tour was so fun. I, I mean, like I can't even think about all the amazing people. Like uh who else? Uh but B fifty twos the uh, b52s Jett,
4: were amazing. Debbie Joan Armitrading was there. Remember
2: Joan Armour? Oh, remember? She, yes. She was She was so funny. She only wanted to talk about childhood trauma. That's it. But, she didn't want to talk about her amazing musical catalog. No,
4: she just wanted <laughs> to discuss our childhoods. But, you know, I, I find her so fascinating. I love her lyrics. She's great. I love her so much. She's a musical genius. I agree. I agree. Willow. Incredible. One of my favorite songs, Willow. Shelter from the storm, you know?
2: Every, I mean, you know, uh, Love and Affection, Mm. which is like really, I mean, to me, that's like one of my very favorite songs. Sing me another love song,
4: but this time with a little dedication, sing it, sing
2: it. But like this, the phrasing? Yes. And um, she's just really uh, unique in her um, musical, like her language, like the way that she is a musician. I, I think she's a genius.
4: I do, too. Now, a lot has changed since we went on tour. You are now a sober person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I was uh, I was very surprised, in a, not in a negative way. I was happy for you. But I was reading about that you actually had an intervention with some friends, and then you stayed yes. in rehab for a year and a half. A year
2: and nine months. Oh, honey. I actually really loved it because um, I could just draw— and um, make crafts. Right. When you're in like a medical, like mental health facility, in the level that I was at, it was so beautiful. Also, it was Rock Hudson's old estate. Wow. So at night, you could feel like the ghosts of the old gays walking around with caftans and Aww, rings. and Speedos. Hear their rings and Speedos scraping along the walls, martini glasses falling on the floor. <laughs> Like there was like a kind of a, like a David Niven ghost in the, inhabiting the property or something, but I, I I loved it. I mean, I would love to go back. I don't really have any reason to go back to any kind of a place like that. Plus it's super expensive, but I think it's so fun.
4: Now, when you were uh, given an intervention from your friends, were you aware of the kind of trouble you were in? Did you know that your life had become sort of unmanageable?
2: Yes. You did. But I thought I would just die.
4: Oh, honey. Like
2: I, it wasn't that I was suicidal. I was just like, "Mm, maybe I'm just done. Like, you know, you get kind of get this thing of, and I realized that's actually all drugs too, is the depression that the drugs give you is is really the very bleak. Mm. And it's all chemically based. It actually has nothing to do with who I am, really, like my brain chemistry anyway. Right. So... I realized that my depression was really all um, a side effect of my drug use, which I think is what's whatever's in all that stuff really messes you up mentally. It makes you, for me, it made me really think that I, I had um, deeper issues than I actually do.
4: No kidding. So was it hard for you to get, I mean, I assume staying there a year and nine months that it was a challenge or did it come sort of easily to you, the sober living
2: it really came naturally because I uh, would have so much fun. Really? You know, and like we would go um, these little like trips to like the CVS. <laughs> we get candy. As a group, and, like, as a group, We would
4: go.
2: As a group and, you know, uh, it, we would just buy like makeup and have some fun. And then one girl got her makeup taken away because she was being... Um, I guess she was, she was breaking some rules. So I would let her use my makeup. And it was very like, <laughs> <laughs> so funny because it was like being in school, but be like, a, like a boarding school or something, but a, be a full grown adult. Wow. And, and been be able to sort of like have that hierarchy of there's like people there, like your therapist and then your um, counselors. And then there's, but that, you know, I have so much affection for all of the people that took care of me because I was so sick when I went there. They had to have an intern by my bed all night to make sure oh, that I didn't die. Seriously, So they would check my blood pressure every hour, kind of really quietly without waking me up. They would check my pulse. Like it, it was really interesting how I didn't realize how sick I was. Oh, honey. And they knew. So yeah, they were great. And I'm, I'm really indebted to them and that idea of you know you can go away and kind of take that time for yourself and so you didn't have a phone either so it was sort of like detoxing from from that social media yes, as well which is
4: difficult to do
2: yeah so it was very very good though I, I I really um had a wonderful time just to only focus on my mental health and my physical health and uh a lot of people that were at the facility with me died because they were unable to give up drugs. Not during it. During it and after. While you were there, people died. Yeah, oh, people honey, died are you from kidding? leaving and overdosing. Oh, wow! Um, some left and just like um, drank themselves to death. Um, well, this
4: was 2016, so it was before yeah. the fentanyl craze, right?
2: Well, it was it was starting to happen. Like that was still kind of like in the in the very beginnings of that. But people were still just ODing, and also people were just dying from alcohol, which is very um, it's it's really horrible when people drink themselves to death. It looks really painful. I've
4: seen that, believe it or not, and very sad. Yes.
2: Yeah. Horrifying. You sad, watch them so. wither
4: away to nothing in a kind of haze. Oh, you know? yeah.
2: It's so awful. Uh, A couple of people just committed suicide outright. Oh, man. Couldn't handle it. You know, couldn't handle it. A lot of people died during the pandemic, actually, um, because they couldn't handle the isolation and the loneliness, or they were just not found, Mm. you know, because they were in their homes and nobody was, you know, going by there or asking around. Did
4: Did you have a drug of choice? Not that it matters, but, or were you sort of whatever comes around is okay with me, you know? Did you have specific? I am a
2: downer. Okay. I'm a downer lady. So I do love, um, I mean, I'm mostly in, in, I think, it, to be very specific, it's Roxy 30s, the blues. Okay.
4: And got th- the blues. those are,
2: I love, <laughs> this is how <laughs> stupid ox- I am. Those are
4: pills like Oxy-
2: cotton. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's Oxy. It's Oxy. Yeah. It's, um, it's oxy. It's with less acetaminophen. Some with no acetaminophen. I mean, who even knows like well, what in it is? It. Exactly. But, um, yeah. Especially if you're buying them off of the street because they're not really like from a doctor or anything. You know, they're not from a pharmacy. They're pressed. They're right. they're counterfeit pills. So and those are the ones that have fentanyl nowadays. Um, but yeah, I like any kind of uh, opiate, um, which to me is like. That's the worst because it's so, uh, it doesn't take your pain away, but it sort of makes you not care about the pain. Mm-hmm. It, and it's like, not even like I was in pain. I wasn't in pain at all. It was just this idea that I might be in pain or that I was trying to soothe some mental pain. But it it becomes like this thing where you're not even in control of your life anymore. You're sort of just on automatic pilot or whatever you just you're, the drug is in you and so it's almost like a parasite going around and taking over your being but you
4: were a functional addict you were able to still work you did your podcast you you know you were yeah. still able to to function and do stand up and do your your acting yeah. stuff
2: yeah to to uh that like I think it was like really important because I was just not going to give that up. You know, yeah. and that was the one part of my life where I still remained kind of like sane around, like whether it was stand-up comedy or um the the way that I was able to do it was I could still function some of the days, but then the other days I just couldn't. And so that was like um, you know, you're not gonna work every single minute, even in show business. Sure, so there of was like not. a lot of downtime. A lot of downtime where I was able to do that. I think with comedy, especially, because comics If you're, like, on the road, there's not a lot to do, like, if you're not actually doing stand-up on stage that moment. If you're, like, there the day before or, like, you're on, like, a thing where you're not working for a few days, it's very easy to just check out mentally.
4: Yeah, I remember the days on the road, so many years on the road, that I would, like, get up at noon and go see as many movies as I can before the 7 o'clock show, and then, you know. A fun,
2: though. Yeah, That's that fun. Was, there yeah. Was, it was
4: a fun kind of pre-children existence, and you got to hang with other artists trying to make it. You got to hone your skills every night and, you know, travel to mm-hmm. a new place. But when I think of it now, that I was, like, 17 on the road doing that, I can't believe it. You know, I look at my kids. They're all yeah. older than that, except for Dakota. And uh, I think I was out on my own doing that, like, without a guardian. Without, I was, right? How old were you when you started yeah. doing stand-up?
2: Um, I was about 14, but then I started to go on the road when I was about 15, a little bit sixteen, seventeen, like as a teenager. I'm amazed. Yeah, I'm amazed that I like. I look back and I'm like, who is that? Who's that kid yes, doing that?
4: Yes. And can you, you imagine know, what but, it feels like to be know, an adult in the audience and see us get up on the stage as child, teenagers? Child.
2: Right, right. Oh, it's so darling. I think it's so cute. And I think you know, but we we had like such a different life. We didn't have the internet. No. So we didn't have like sort of the things that people uh, use to even like have like their days now we didn't have streaming nope we only had four channels maybe <laughs> exactly, three sometimes exactly. We didn't really have TV during the day exactly I'm so you know? I'm so
4: jealous of the kids like when I when I listen to Ariana Grande sing, that voice is like spectacular, but I know <laughs> that her entire life she's been able to view. Streisand or whoever she wanted, 24 hours a day in her ears like this, watching, Mm -hmm. where we had to wait a year until Funny Girl was on. If we were lucky, you know, there was no way to sort of recapture that two hours in the movie theater. And these kids have Mm -hmm. access to greatness constantly. And that's why the bar keeps kind of being lifted up a little bit each generation.
2: yeah. It's wonderful. I think it's wonderful. I think it's really exciting, and you know, we're going to rely on these kids to save our planet because we have wrecked it. We
4: sure haven't. It's dangerous now, boy. I had someone on Rory Kennedy saying that there's six years before there's Mm. no going back. Six years. What can we do in six years as a world, not just a nation, as a world, to combat this? Who knows?
2: We need to do so many things, but I think what we are going to rely on is is those kids. You know, they've got to figure it out because we have really just made the worst decisions, not as just, not personally, of course, but as generations. Yeah. You know, we did bad.
4: Horrible things, yes. And we didn't treat Mother Earth like a mother. (laughs) You know, we didn't respect and, and, you know, treat... Her with uh, dignity and care, and look what what we've done. Mm-hmm. Look what we've done. Yeah, it's horrifying. Yeah, I
2: have a lot of anxiety about it, you know. But I think that you know, you when you really feel the effects of it is in the weather. Like the climate change is so it's so weird. Like here in LA, it's raining every single day, which is not like we can't handle it. Right. As a city, like our engineering is not constructed for that. It's really it's really devastating.
4: Yeah, and today I'm here in Malibu. The ocean is crazy angry and it's smashing mm-hmm. up to the second floor balcony and it's so mm-hmm. loud. We can hear it. We're do- we almost ah, couldn't record today because the the so ocean scary. is so insane, you know? Yeah, and it's so scary. How has this happened in our lifetime? That's the scariest thing.
2: Well, it's, you know, we, we really should have paid more attention. We should have been more into Greenpeace in the 70s. We really should have. We should have listened to all of those public service announcements. Right. We shouldn't have littered. Right. Daryl so Hannah in a
4: tree. You know, we should have done Native American crying. Remember
2: that? Everything we we just ignored and thought, oh, well, it's not that. But it is. It is. It really you know, is. So we, we need to change. But, you know, we all have to do our part.
4: More to come. Stick around, won't you?
2: just
0: be a me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor-Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
4: I hope this isn't an insensitive question, and I hope the answer is yes. Your mom is still with us, yes? Yes. Okay, yes. good. Because I had that moment yes. of anxiety. I was looking through the computer going, I'm sure her mom's still around. But just, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to bring it up in case. But I love, I love, I love your portrayal of your mother. I love how you Thank put you. her in your act so beautifully and lovingly. And, and the, the thing that moved me so much about, I believe was your first book in the 90s. I talked mm-hmm. about your dad a lot, how he always had a suitcase mm-hmm. ready to leave right near the door, Mm -hmm. right? Yes, That's so stuck with me, Margaret. It it, like haunted me a little bit.
2: Yeah, I think that he still does that. Like, I think he still has this idea that they're they're always going to run away, but he always, now he runs away with her. So now they're in Costa Rica on a cruise. They say they're never coming back. (laughs) Never, ever, ever, no, no, too many gone.
4: Yeah, well, they're right about that.
2: It's because of the Lunar New Year um, massacre at the Asian Ballroom oh, Dance yes, Studio in Monterey Park. It's so horrible because uh, Asians, old Asians love ballroom dance mm. so much. And it's like a place where they can listen to Celine Dion right. and dance right. and kind of forget everything. And we love it. We love to dance. So we love, oh, we love it so much. <laughs> so they're like, no, I cannot go back to... No. no. So they're going to stay on the cruise for as long as they can. They're they were, they were on there for like a month. Oh, really?
4: You guys overstay your welcomes in the Chow family, right? You go, you really, go to rehab for a year and nine months, and your mom year goes on a cruise months. forever.
2: They wanted to move in with me at rehab. They're like, do we have to go? Is it like prison? It's like prison. Can, do we, can we go with you? Because oh. in Korea, when you have some mental problems, they go as a family to like a nice place and you all work it out together. Oh. That's what it, that they did in my family. It's like other people in my family have gone to like a facility that my um, mom's sister went with her daughter to the facility together.
4: Well, you know, it's interesting with a lot of my stuff with Chelsea. I was Looking and begging for a place where we could go together, because yeah. so much stuff mm-hmm. alone, you know, with with our relationship and and uh, the complications of brain chemistry, and you know, there mm-hmm. was no way for us to sort of do it as a family. There there kind of wasn't mm-hmm. a way of a mother daughter retreat for substance abuse, or you know, like to yeah. try to help her in a in a in a way that I I haven't been able to yet, you know?
2: Yeah, I think it's definitely a good idea. Part of it, though, is like you do want to be away from your family so that you can just heal as as alone. But there's got to be places where you can go together. I know that there's stuff kind of like things that people go to treatment when— Somebody in the family has a problem with drugs or alcohol, so they go away, and then other family members go to another facility together to heal. Yes, so I've seen that before. Yeah, I've seen that
4: as well. So, when you know, mm-hmm. uh, an Al-Anon to me has been very, very helpful in yeah. you know dealing with family members that have addiction issues in in that degree yeah. where it's incapacitating and ruining their their life. They're unable to make healthy choices that protect themselves and. It's a it's mm. a terrifying place to be in as a parent, I could tell you that. Did your parents know yeah. that you were in such bad shape when when the intervention was happening? Were they included in the intervention?
2: They really didn't understand. They really didn't understand because um and they they were not a part of it because they just didn't really know how the extent of it.
4: Yeah.
2: Um because I was able to hide that. Also, there's just kind of like um this thing of well, you know, she's the oldest, and she's successful, so she knows what she's doing. You know, they kind of put that on me too right. a little bit. Right. Like I'm like the not to gender it, but I'm like the the firstborn son. Right, right. So exactly. you know, so that that's kind of the way that like go, oh, she's got it. she's got it, and they I think they really rely on this idea that I have it handled. Mm. Um, so it's hard for them, but they really wanted to come and like live at the rehab with me. Wow. They were like, we were this so nice, a horse. Oh, no, that's nice. Now when, so when they did really they, thought it was nice. When did
4: they turn the Rock Hudson <laughs> estate into a rehab? How did that occur?
2: I'm not sure exactly when that happened, but I know that it's been uh functioning like that for quite some time. So, um, but it's very fancy and uh it, it's, I mean, all of these sort of big estates, you know, they 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 have like, um, usually are in Malibu, but this one is on um, Mulholland. Mm.
4: And, and it was random that you ended up there? It was just sort of, or someone had done research and said this could be the right one or?
2: Yeah, I think it was somehow random. And then they just had a space mm. and it was also just a nice place. So that was like, kind of part of the attraction was that it was just so lovely. Yeah. And uh I think um it's, and it seemed more like a vacation than it was like re- rehab or whatever, but it was really the best thing. One of the best things that I've ever done in my life. Definitely. Well,
4: this may be a simplistic question, but if you could name like the top three ways your life has changed in the last seven years since going there, I mean, what, what would it be?
2: Oh, it's, unbelievable the difference. I mean, it's another person's life. I'm just, I have peace. I have joy. I have freedom. I'm just relaxed. And I don't have to uh, do anything. Like, I don't have to like go get anything. I don't have to, I mean, the food, which is another issue, but that's okay. That's kind of like, whatever. But I, I just, I have such an easy time of life. And I don't engage in any behaviors that are negative. I have like a really beautiful existence. So it's like the top three, I think, is peace, right? Um, comfort, and um, just that I can naturally re- relax. Like I used to think like, oh, after a long day of traveling and doing shows or working on something, I would need a reward. Mm. So now actually my reward is um, I have a VR headset and I do, uh, I'll either go to a museum on the VR headset or I'll do a meditation or I'll do like um, just weird sort of patterns. Not so much games. I think games are a little bit too exciting. So, but I can do that at times. Right. Sometimes I'll ride a roller coaster on the VR. Right, right. It's fun.
4: Uh, I have the VR too with my little daughter and, she tries to play. It fun? It's really fun. It's, she tries to play me different games. But you know, it's funny. Sometimes I get a little dizzy in there. Like I get a little like, yeah, whoa, kind where of, are we? You know?
2: I get motion sickness and then I want to turn around. Mm. Uh, there's a really fun one where you can like go toe to toe with Pennywise. You <laughs> can <laughs> <laughs> go into those Pennywise. It's really scary. Um, there's one that's like you're with the girl with the ring. Yeah. It's really good. It, a girl with so the ring? Like is that the name stuff. of it?
4: The girl with the ring?
2: No, no, it's the, 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 the Japanese horror movie, The Ring. Uh-huh, yes. And she's like coming out of the TV. Oh. And then she's running, going around the, the yeah, room with that you. That wouldn't it's be good for scary. me. That
4: wouldn't be good for me. I don't like to move scary. that much. So you're going on tour. <laughs> you're on tour right now. Yes,
2: yes. That I am on tour. So
4: exciting! And this, I love it. Would this be your first really big tour completely sober?
2: Uh, well, I have been on the road a bit, and and then of course the pandemic happened. Right. So yes, I guess yes, in a sense. But also, uh, I have been like performing consistently throughout, which is great. So this is like all. Um, Kind of like a big theaters thing. I've been, I've done some clubs, but this is my first big tour in like probably seven years, wow. eight years, something like that. And you
4: have all new material or you have some of the- uh, Yes. Yes, and I, it's so hard to come up with a whole, but when you're in a new place like you are- and spiritually and, and mentally, mm. I, I assume it's much easier. To, you have so much to draw from.
2: Yeah. What's well, a new life? It's a new perspective on things. And I'm really grateful for that. And I can remember more stuff now like that I went through. And it's fun to share that. Also, there's a lot of things to talk about. I mean, the show is really all about How can we protect drag queens? How can we protect the trans community? How can we, like, fight this? I was so glad that the Proud Boys got their ass beat in Manhattan. Yes. They're trying to attack this drag story hour. Well, they got beat up, which is so satisfying. Yeah,
4: I totally understand what's happening in our country with gay rights, queer rights, with women's rights, with minorities' Mm -hmm. rights. What's happened to all of the Asian people attacked? And I know that that was- Your podcast was so educational about all that, Margaret, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, I imagine the rage and the fear and the horror of that for Asian people all over the country.
2: Well, it's so scary. It happened to me. I was in Miami, and I was walking my dog with my mask on, and I ran into a convoy of about 50 Giant semi-truck, huge trucks, all flying. The China virus, Kung flu, no clot shot, you know, uh, protect the children, all that shit. Right. And they were coming at me and my little dog. And with my mask on, I'm like, they're coming for me. I'm the only one on the street. They're honking their horns at me. One of the trucks tried to drive us, like run over us. And I tried to get my phone out to take a picture of the license plate. They had all covered their license plates. Oh my god. It was like really scary. I mean, it was like um MedMex. Yes. Or something. Because right. it was all these giant trucks and um all flying this Trump 2024 flag, like. What the, it, it's so, like, stop the steel flags. Yeah. What, I, I was really scared. And then this is the dog to this little, look oh, at this dog. look at
4: that baby. Is that try, a chi mix, a chihuahua mix? Over. A little chihuahua she's mix? She's a chihuahua. Yeah, she's adorable. She's a
2: little chihuahua. That's she's horrifying.
4: What did you do? Girl. Did you
2: run to the police station? What'd you do? I I didn't know what to do. I was like, how do I, 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 they, they didn't hit us. And they drove off. And then I'm like, what? I don't even know what to do. Like, I just I was shaking. I didn't know if I I couldn't. I really couldn't think. You know, I was so filled with adrenaline. Yes, terrifying. I just didn't know what to do. And I couldn't shut it down for like a long time. And I really didn't know like, well, nothing exactly happened, did it? Yes, it yes, did. Yes, it did. But it did. Also, not, I wasn't hurt physically. So it was very, like, should I call the guy? I don't know what to, I'm not sure. Like, it was very weird.
4: Yeah, that's horrible. What's been happening? And, you know, there was this, you probably know about this older Asian woman who was just, like, standing there, minding her own business, going into her apartment, and then there's the video, and then they show the video, you know? Like, they show the aggression and the hatred, and doesn't that perpetrate it? I mean, can you report on it without having to show Elderly Asian people being bloody. Oh,
2: so horrible. It's horrible. It's and so and horrible. I blame that
4: all on Trump. That was him. Yeah. The China virus. That was, that was him, right? It is.
2: It is. It is. And it's just like, um, I, I think the way that he brought in this mindset where you can dehumanize people mm-hmm. with a joke yes. and then it leads to that, but he takes no responsibility for it. Right. I really do hope he gets arrested. I also think that if this does happen, it's great because this is this is great for Stormy Daniels. I love Stormy. (laughs) I love Stormy too. I'm a fan of her. I'm a fan of Stormy. I've met her. I think she's a great
4: person. Yes.
2: Yeah, I've met her. I'm really. I'm just. I think she's super cool. Yeah. I. I think it's really exciting that she was able to take this on. Like, how great to be his undoing. I agree. Somebody like her. I so it's agree. It's fabulous. And
4: Letitia James uh, in in New yeah. York, I think. How amazing yeah. that this African-American woman is going to take down this racist piece of shit. I
2: love it. Yeah. I love it. I do it's too. Really, it's really justice. It's so weird how the world has
4: changed since we were kids. And I, I try to explain to my mm-hmm. children always of our parents letting us out until the the lights went on the street and then come home, and (laughs) nobody asked where we were, what we were doing, were we safe, who were we with. You know, it's just a different reality now and how much the (laughs) children are connected to their devices and uh, (laughs) that that's part of their reality of living now. Like, it doesn't go without their social media. You know, for a while, my daughter Vivi, who's, you know, very pretty in in a stereotypical American way, blonde, blue eyes, and she just took her picture all the time,
3: you know. And
4: and then we went to the beach. We go to the Jersey Shore every year, and they're like 13 Mm -hmm. years old, and she's 20 now, so it was like seven years. I turned and I looked, and down the beach on LBI were groups of teenagers doing the same exact thing. Yeah. All the girls were getting together and doing their photo shoots, you know? Mm -hmm. And not everybody got a photo shoot when we were younger, right? Not everybody had access, right? Now everybody can be their own celebrity in their head.
2: I love it. I never have any, I don't have any photos of myself when I was younger. I just never took pictures. I didn't like the way that I looked. And so I just never thought to take pictures, which is sad.
4: I don't have very many either. But you know, my next door neighbor, my best friend's mother- has pictures of me Aww. from when I was young. Bernice Ellard, who was the uh, take care of uh, the kids in the neighborhood with no mom, you know? And- uh, Oh, so, that's nice. Yeah, was, she's still alive. Nice. She's beautiful. She, she really mm-hmm. did raise me when my mother passed. And, uh, you know, I'm forever indebted to her. But I, I do have some memories of uh, photographic memories of my childhood through her. But it wasn't like everybody had a cell phone back then and snap away, like, Yeah. yeah. Like today, yeah. So tell everybody where you're going on tour and what the name of it. It's it's live livid, right?
2: It's live. My tour is called Live Lucia. Come here, come here, Lucia. My dog is there.'s a squirrel outside. That's okay. She's telling them about my tour. Exactly. Live and livid. Live and livid.
4: <laughs> Excellent.
2: And it's um it's gonna be everywhere and uh yeah everywhere everywhere um everywhere there's shows everywhere that I can be um. And it's happening now. Right. And people can find out about it on com. actually. or get tickets.
4: You've always had wonderful people opening for you, new people, people who maybe are not mainstream. Yes. Do you have anyone lined up that is going to open for you consistently? Or
2: Daniel Webb is going to be on tour with me, and he is really so great. Everybody that opens for me becomes a huge star, like Jonathan Van Ness. Right. Like, um... Uh, uh, Russell Peters,
4: <laughs> right, right,
2: like uh, Mike Birbiglia, um, uh, like there's so many great people, uh, but I've I've gotten to work with uh, Karen Kugareff.
4: right. She has like the best podcast on on the radio now. My favorite name? murder, my favorite murder. Yeah, she's
2: she's awesome, and um, she has her own her own podcast network, which is really great. All right, and give so, that dog a bone, you know, Lucia.
4: I love how calm you are to her. Lucia, very you don't scream well, yeah, it, you just go Lucia. Well, because
2: if you're yelling, then they think you're barking too.
4: Oh. So
2: now she, so if you like kind of calm.
4: Have you always been a dog person?
2: Yes, but I have 3 cats
4: too. And they get along?
2: They get along very well. Yeah. It's really cute. It's very Disney uh, like I I'm like Snow White here. I have 27 bird feeders. Oh. And there's a uh, wild parrot's outside in a tree, and then there's um, a giant snake that lives in the backyard. So the animals can't go outside by themselves. There's a huge snake.
4: Why can't you get someone to to move it somewhere else?
2: Well, I think it's hibernating now because I haven't seen it since the middle of summer. But it's like a gopher snake. It's not a it's not a rattlesnake,
4: and it doesn't have poisonous it's just, venom.
2: No. But he's very large. Ugh. So he's somewhere under the deck, maybe.
4: Oh, my God. How could you uh, sleep also, in that house, that,
2: fucker? I would be there's terrified. There's a coyote that lives next door. A coyote <laughs>
4: that lives next door? There's a
2: coyote that lives next door who I had to build extra high fences because of my little animals here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're we're not in the woods, of course, uh, and, uh it, it's just california but it, there's a lot of animals here yeah, but i love there's it there's
4: a lot of animals dakota wants to get one when we move into our house we're moving to santa monica um so now we yeah nice so we're going to stay out here while she goes to school in culver city they have a great school for kids oh. with autism and she's That's there great. and loving it and so here we are mm-hmm. you know 61 i'm old and i'm happy about I it i love it i'm happy about it i love it I love you on TikTok. Thank you, honey. I'm very obsessed with that. It's so fun to me. I love doing it's it. It's so
2: fun. Yeah, it really is. It's so is. fun. And I love your pictures with um Dylan.
4: Oh, yes. And I just met Dylan, and she was she's amazing. Gorgeous. She really she's is. Gorgeous. And she does look like Audrey Hepburn and like the yeah. stars from that era. You know, she's...
2: It's very like uh, Leslie Caron. Mm. It's very Gigi. Yes. Like her aesthetic is kind of like... um. French coquette yes which I think is so lovely
4: yeah she's she's really something I had a wonderful conversation but listen I want to tell you first of all you've never looked better Margaret I went through and saw all these great photos of you with your stomach tattoo showing and your hair like (laughs) this and I thought look at how fantastic she looks not that that's the be all end all of life but I'm just letting you know you look fucking great
2: Thank you. You're Thank more than you. welcome. Well, I think aging is so fun. Aging is fun, isn't it? Yeah, you look I, great. we look great. We look great. I am very happy with
4: being 61. Like I, I don't have any angst about people knowing and you know trying to look mm-hmm. different or you know younger or. You know, I did Botox mm-hmm. once, Margaret, and I swear to you, I felt like I had duct tape on my forehead for two months. I couldn't even exist. Every day I was, like, trying to get it out. I was, like, pushing my forehead as hard as I could. It was the worst experience I ever had in my life, and I will never do it again.
2: Oh, it's so weird. Yeah, I've never I've never done that. I've only done the G-Shot where I had um, collagen put in my— uh, the spongy tissue around my cervix, I guess. I don't know. Where your G spot it's supposed to raise your G spot. Okay. Didn't do it.
4: Didn't work for you?
2: Just made me feel like I had to pee mm. for like four months. It was really painful actually. Yeah.
4: See, you and I trying to improve so, stuff. Look what happens. We get in pain. I had duct tape head for so long.
2: If it ain't broke
4: If it ain't broke, I just don't honey. think
2: I have a G s I don't think I have a G spot, which I've like I, and what it came to realize, I just don't like dick. Yeah, well,
4: I, I can <laughs> fully understand, honey. I'm on with you on that side of the of the fence, please. But I like it. I'm happy with who I am right now. And I think yeah. that's the best part of that? aging, the best part of aging, you know?
2: That's right. True. True. True.
4: Well, listen, you're a delight, Margaret Cho. I can't wait to see you on tour. I'm going to come catch you. I saw you were at the improv somewhere right close by here in San Diego, aren't you?
2: Oh, and Brea, Brea, yeah, Brea! Yeah, yeah. Yes, come. I want to come see so you. Come. I would
4: love to see you and give you a that. big hug in real life. Yes. So go check I would love check that. out on Margaret Cho's uh, website and and where she's going to be, where the tour dates are, and it's called Live and Livid. Live and
2: Livid. And I think
4: that's a great title. And I love you, Margaret Cho. And thank, thank you for doing this. I love you. And I will see you thank soon. You. I hope. I hope. All right, bye, honey. We're going to answer some of your messages right after this.
5: Learn more at meaningfulbeauty.com. Me
0: Focus Features presents back to black.
5: I want
3: people to hear my voice and just
2: forget their troubles.
0: Experience the music and her story.
2: Know this. I ain't no spy skill.
0: Like never before.
2: As my daughter, as my Amy.
0: On the big screen.
2: I want to be remembered. Could just
0: be a me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor-Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
4: Well, thank you all so much for writing in your ideas, your suggestions, your comments. And the producers have chosen a couple. I have not heard them yet. It's a surprise to me. Let's see what we got. Roll it.
2: Hi, Rosie. My name is Hannah and I'm from Ontario, Canada. I want to say how much I love your podcast. I loved your show growing up. And one of the
4: things I love so much is hearing you talk about being a mother and how much you enjoy motherhood and the importance of raising your children and valuing your time with your kids. I really identify with that because I'm so sentimental about raising my two girls. I just had my second daughter three months ago, whose name is Joni. And I was so happy to hear on your podcast that you mentioned how one of your favorite guests was Joni Mitchell, which was an inspiration for our daughter's name. I'm just wondering if you have any words of wisdom or kind of tidbits or philosophies that you followed um, while raising your children or things to keep in perspective and thoughts on motherhood. Maybe you have some wise words to share. Thanks so much. I'm so happy that you wrote, and I'm so jealous that you have a three-month-old baby. <laughs> my advice as a as a mom would be take a lot of pictures, but please get in some with them because you go through and you find, you know, you're not in the photos. And, um, you know, try to stay present as much as possible. That's my biggest uh, goal in, in life and in love and in, in learning and in mothering for sure. The best mothering tip I ever got was from Winona Judd, who was at my house with her two children, and they were fighting over a toy, and she took the toy and she put it on top of the bookcase, and she said, that toy is in timeout. And I thought, what a great, rather than put your kid in timeout and have, the toy went in timeout. So that is my Winona Judd um, pass along to new mothers tip of uh, if they're fighting, put the toy in time out. But listen, enjoy every minute. It goes too fast. Even with Dakota now, 10 years old, I can't believe it. I can't believe I have a 27-year-old son, Parker, 27, 25, 23, 20, and 10. And um, I don't regret one moment, not one. Now we got another question coming in. Here we go.
3: Hi, Rosie. I love the show. love listening to you. Um, I think the reason I love listening to you is you have so much love in 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 your heart, I think. Whereas I think I noticed a lot of um, other commentators, there's just so much hate in them. And it just, it makes me depressed. So listening to you is really sort of comforting. Um, I was listening to one of the other listeners' questions and it was about um, how she had so many things she was interested in doing and she couldn't pick one creative field and you told her to focus on one thing and just give it give it your all. And that made me think um, I'm 36 now. Um, I did attempt stand-up comedy and different sort of creative things. And although I, I was sort of successful uh, modestly, uh, it never really got off the ground. And I'm at the age now, I think, where I don't think those dreams are going to happen. And even though I know you're always really positive and tell people to go for it, I mean, I'm at the stage of life now where I'm like, I feel like I should lower my expectations and that might end up making me happier. I know that's very un-American to say that happiness could come in lowering your expectations, but I feel like not everyone is going to be successful in the creative field. Like most people aren't. So like, for someone like me who's looking at it like, you know, age 36, I'm. <laughs> what? Is there any, ever a case for sort of happily giving up on your dreams? What do you think, Rosie? What do you think? What should I do? Um, should I just sort of lower my expectations and be happier? Or should I keep on trying? What do you think?
4: You know, honey, that's a, a beautiful question. And I love your accent. I really do. I was trying to place it as Scottish, is it? I don't know. It's not Irish, I don't think, but beautiful, beautiful little. T- Um, listen, 36 is young, honey, I'm 61, 36 is young. I, uh, I encourage you to reset that frame, right? And remember, Nora Ephron didn't direct her first movie till she was like 40 or something like that. And, you know, Grandma Moses didn't paint until her 80s. And there's all these stories of people who never really sort of give up, but just do what really fulfills and moves them. And, you know, deciding that, you know, chasing after a big successful life in any field uh, is something that everyone eventually has to evaluate. Is, is that what you want to put in that kind of time and money and what, what costs it, it, uh, it costs you, not, not financially, obviously, but spiritually and emotionally? I think that the pandemic has really done us a great service in some ways, uh, of course, all the horrors of it. But what it did make people kind of know is that you can restructure how you live your life, where the focus doesn't have to be, as you said, such an American dream of of success. I think lowering your, I don't know if it's standards, I think your dreams, adjusting your dreams is is more um, is more accurate. You know, I kind of feel that now at sixty one with doing a podcast, which, I love what it affords me. It affords me time home. I love that I get to talk to people and be inspired and watch their movies and read their books and, and get informed about, about life. I mean, that's, that's the meaning of life, right? <laughs> that's what we're supposed to explore and, and love and, and learn and, and grow and evolve. So I think if you were certain inside of your soul that a career in stand-up was for you, there would be no question you'd be out there doing it. And the fact that you aren't and you don't particularly, you're not particularly driven to do that, that's fine. You can put that one down and and pick up something else, you know. Um, but I wish you luck, and I wish you. I, I would love to talk to you. Maybe we can get your phone number and we can have a conversation. I would love to have a conversation with you about this topic. I think it would be great to hear. Back and forth, what you think. So maybe we'll make that happen on the next one. Hey, the next one drops on Tuesday. Cheetah Rivera drops next Tuesday. I love her. 90 years old, glorious living legend. One of my favorite people on the planet. 90-year-old Cheetah Rivera has a new book, a memoir. And that's what it's called, Memoir Cheetah. Go get it. It's really worth it. The story's in there. And we get to talk to her here on Onward. Onward. I heard podcasts